This is Frankie McDonald, my own team saves your life in Sydney, Nova Scotia. Major winter storm is headed towards Nebraska Monday, January 8th, 2024. It's going to bring up to 6 to 12 inches of snow more. It's going to bring a lot of snow, especially in Omaha, Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, and the rest of Nebraska. It's going to bring blown, drifted snow, reduced visibility, dangerous attractions, traffic conditions. will be white old. They saying hockey. Let's do that hockey. Now the lefty lands a big hook, throws another one, Perrier misses, now he just covers up. Perrier wanting nothing to do with Sedeo. Marcellus over the right side, a wrister, he scores! Jack Larrigan gets game three started. Field steals away from a scrum centering pass up the new one-timer. Score! Eric Hartz a snap, went after Corey Canisto. Taking away Ashton Carter, carries it. Ripping side to Paul Cotter. He shoots his goal! Hangs off of the boards, but Lincoln Peters. Ali, one touch of the lucky. He scores! Lincoln takes the lead! And a big check by Christian Kager back below his own net. Dumps up toward the far point. Off for to Lucky. Top of the Players a shot and scores! You bear! Well, Gene, you heard the weather forecast there from Frankie as we got started on the uh, this week's episode of Thunderstruck, your unofficial Lincoln Starts podcast. And because Frankie was right, Mother Nature took the uh, the weekend games from us, taking two games out of the three we were scheduled to play. Thankfully, they were on the road. So uh, no no revenue loss for the Stars there. Nope. Four points for old, as you said, for old Mother Nature. And guess what? Even if there had not been a home game on Saturday night, it still wouldn't have mattered because... You get, to, you get to come see the game again, or even though there was game, if you didn't use your tickets, you get to reuse them for another game. Yeah, for sure. Is it uh, so Mother Nature or is it Father of Time? What's the, what's the winter one? Isn't there Old Man, old man Winter? Old Man Winter. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> father, that's the, father Time. You had me there for a second. <laughs> I was trying to think of the... the the thing, the, I don't know if you're going with the heat miser from what Rudolph or one of the, one of those kids Christmas. Yeah, I, I I don't know really know where I was going. I just knew there was a character of some sort about go. winter. Old man so. winter. Old man winter. He's uh, definitely taking the uh, taking it to the extremes right now. I think that they were talking to old Frankie McDonald from Nova Scotia too because dude hit it right on right on the old head. Six to twelve. I mean, we're still. I'm still thawing out. How about you? I'm yeah. Um, as we put these headphones on today, they were still frozen from the car. So no doubt, no doubt. So uh, can I assume that Jordan is not looking forward to going back to her first day of school tomorrow? In about she six is. P O. She hasn't been at school. She really? she has cabin fever like no other. She wants to get out of the house. Good she wants to go her. see her friends. She doesn't care about the learning part. She wants to go see her friends. That's all that really matters to her right now. I may have a couple kids that are back in in Illinois, or Illinois Wyoming, and Colorado. They're the same way. They're back there with with their peeps and uh, having weather. Aiden at Colorado State. It's kind of funny on an unrelated yet related matter. They're they canceled school today, the first day back for Colorado State, and there was a lot of questions about was well, Wyoming canceling because it's. Minus 15 with minus 50 wind chill, and all you get is laughy cry face from Wyoming people like, hey, we, <laughs> we just call this a Tuesday in January. It's a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So good stuff. Good stuff. But yeah, you're right. Mother Nature took two out of the three next weekend. And so I was kind of looking ahead on the star schedule, and I know this plays into reasons why you got to play that game on Saturday night at home when you can, because I don't know when in when in the heck they're going to have an opportunity. I mean, I looked through the rest of January. I looked through February. I looked through the beginning of March, and they're going to have to stack a week someplace. And, you know, we're basically one game shy of the halfway point in the season, and we just basically lost a weekend. So they get they got two games they got to make up in an already pretty packed schedule moving forward. Yeah, you talk about the packed schedule there. I don't think that we have any free weekends available, so these makeup games are probably going to be on a Thursday, a Tuesday, or – you know, a random, a random weekday, maybe, maybe a Sunday or whatever, but it's going to, I, I think we're going to have, thankfully they're, they're Lincoln or Tri-City and Omaha games. We yeah. don't have to travel to Cedar Rapids. We don't have to travel to Green Bay to make something up, something like these games up. So we can, we can stick these games on a Sunday afternoon or, or a Tuesday night or whatever. So. Yeah. I was kind of looking at their schedules too, just thinking, Oh, Hey, Lincoln has a one game weekend coming up, I think in February. Yep. When Tri-Cities in Fargo and Omaha's in Youngstown or something like that, they're probably not back in Youngstown after they 
whooped up on the yeah young sam's hoping they don't come back so no doubt doubt. so or maybe they're in muskegon but they're just i mean i couldn't find i didn't spend a lot of time going through it but there isn't a lot of just scream at you opportunity so i'll guarantee you we'll be watching tuesday night actually i think don't we already have a couple three tuesday wednesday night games coming up in the back half you know, honestly, I don't know. I just, you know, when I wake up in the morning and my clock says, my calendar says, uh, Lincoln Stars game at the icebox is when I know I need to pack my stuff up and yeah. get ready for a game after work. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that that's what we do. So, hey, a couple updates. First off, I'm just going to, I'm just going to call this podcast karma. Our good friend and recent guest of the show, Jordan Petrie and the U.S. women's under 18 team took gold from Switzerland yesterday or the day before. Jordan had... They didn't play Switzerland in the finals there, but They were in Switzerland. Okay. They played... Yeah. Chechnya. We'll clarify that. Yes, they were in Switzerland, but they didn't play the Swiss. Right. And the Canadians actually got upset by the Czechians. And uh, so that's who the U.S. beat 5 5-1, 4-1. 5-1, 5-2, something like that? Yeah, I think it was something, it was something one. Um, Jordan uh, did not exactly have a, a glowing final game. She had a... She had the first goal of the game waved off for some reason, and then shortly after that, early in the second period, she got ejected for boarding in the game. Uh, let's ah, I like a Lincoln kid. I love no it. No doubt, no doubt. Having said that, she still ended up, I believe, second on the team in scoring with a goal and seven assists for eight total points in the game, and more than anything, coming home with that gold medal around her neck. So two Lincoln kids uh, going to foreign lands and – putting Gatorade in their glass and kicking some oh never mind speaking of that okay so you, we saw the chance we we all know know the uh the USA win chant or whatever they do um they put out the the mints when Rucker won the gold medal they bleep out the f bomb on that one they left it in for the women's one. Oh, there you go there you go shows them who's more uh, bad bad ankles yeah something like that that was good stuff so anyway maybe we can get a double double decker or uh, Rutger and, and Jordan on together because I know they used to skate together in Lincoln back in the day. So maybe someday we can get them on. Yeah, that would be something else, especially with having those two on. I, I know there's there's a little bit of age difference there. Um, I don't remember which one, who's older or whatnot. But, Rutger is. But, Jordan's uh, an 06, and I think he's an 04, maybe an 03. But, yeah, so, I mean, two Lincoln kids coming up in the uh, Lehigh program. It's a great time to be a, a hockey player from Nebraska right now, I no guess. No doubt, no doubt. And. Seems like I was going someplace else with with that whole that whole thing, but guess I guess I don't know. So uh, let's go back to the, uh, the loan game on Saturday. Uh, Tri City Storm coming to town. There's a lot of questions. I mean, I know we were chat, chatting back, chatting back and forth if we're gonna have the game or Easy not. Easy for you to say. Yeah, it, it, words are not my thing. That's why I host a podcast. There you go. Yeah, but no, we were chatting back and forth to see if there was a game because you know, honestly, if there if I didn't have to be there, I would, did not want to go out in that weather, and. uh after the uh, the start of the game, prior to the official puck drop, all signs were leading to that. Maybe we need to, uh, maybe should have canceled that game. First shot of warm ups, uh, Tri City Banks went off the glass, shatters the glass in the uh, the south end of the uh, the ice box. And Lincoln wasn't even on the ice yet when it happened. No, and I I hear it, I hear the glass shatter, and I'm like, f sakes. And Corey, I was on the bench, and Corey's like, what? I go, broken glass over there, and he's like, mother. <laughs> So uh, we're we're trying to yell at, at our players to go back on the ice because we know it's going to be a twenty minute, at least a twenty minute delay yeah. to clean up the ice. They're not listening. Finally, Corey gets a hold of uh, Kai, and the words that came out of Corey's mouth, you can tell he's a hockey guy. There you go. Send him back. Send him packing. It's kind of interesting. The refs came over, Siegel and Stork came over, and they're like, "Oh, what should we do?" And I'm like, "Look, dude, your call. But if it's me, Lincoln's not even on the ice yet. Let's just send him back." replace the glass and start warm-ups all over again and that's ultimately what they ended up doing yeah not only that though the refs come over and talk to you guys the off-ice officials and somehow uh time, scorekeeper timekeeper i don't know what eric's official title time, time, uh scorekeeper scorekeeper i uh, know you're right timekeeper timekeeper yep. his glasses end up falling out he loses a eyeglass lens on the ice and if you think finding a na- needle in a haystack is hard Try finding a clear glasses lens on a sheet of ice. So for those of you that were wondering what we were doing out there, crawling around, squeegeeing around, looking around. Looking uh, like we were lost, looking for pe- a, lost people. We were looking for an eyeglass lens. Yeah, that uh, maybe is in a bazillion little tiny pieces or B, when it 
thaws out in, I don't know, July, the big snow pile out behind the icebox, maybe maybe it'll be laying out there in the parking lot. Yeah, right? I felt bad for Eric because uh, as a guy who wears eyeglasses, that would suck as a guy so who, bad. I told Eric that back when I was uh, but a wee tot, we were playing football out in my backyard and my glasses broke and my, my lens came out and couldn't find it, couldn't find it, yet that's where the whole find it in the snowbank when it all thaws because come spring... Viola, there was my there was my lens laying in the backyard. Ah, yeah, I, I'm glad it was him and not me. Let me just say that no right doubt. now. No doubt. As a former eyeglass wearer, as somebody who's glad that he has good insurance and was, was able to get Lasix uh, at a certain time in my life, one of the best things I ever did. Yeah, definitely. So we finally get the game going. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, what were your – I mean, just uh, – if you don't know, I, you should know by now. The Stars took pulled out the victory in a shootout um, over the Tri-City Storm. But to me, it was not our best game. You know what, though? It, I don't know. I'm going to preview a little bit. So I think ahead, since we are one game shy of officially, we would have been one game beyond the midway point had we played all three games. I did not, whether we played very well or not on Saturday night, I still didn't ever feel like we were on the verge of getting blown out. No, definitely not. uh, Not the team that we saw a couple months ago. And, you know, what's very interesting is, and we'll touch on this too, just because you showed me a picture of Omaha's line charts, and I think they were one of two teams that night that ended up playing with two D-pair. Yeah, Youngstown was the other one. because, Because the Chipotle prospects whatever they called the game was on was yesterday monday right it was yeah there. yeah monday afternoon they wouldn't let participants in that game play so we end up having to call griffin brown back up thank god he lives in town um because jimmy and uh hendrix cleves and hendrix jimmy yeah sorry yeah jimmy has not been activated <laughs> no yeah cleves and hendrix <laughs> both are declared unable to play because they're playing in that game not to mention trevor Connolly and somebody else from tri-city couldn't play in yeah. that game for that same reason and it's just uh, you know i get it you're going to you're going to play on the nhl network in front of all the scouts and everything else but you're kind of handcuffing your teams too but that you know what I'm that's a, that's a that. usa hockey thing and uh, that's not necessarily the, the uh, ushl type deal but well, that just that just proved to me. That's just another example of how this is a developmental league. And ultimately, you play the games and you have standings and you do playoffs and you chase trophies and you do everything else. But at the end of the day, it's all about exposure to college, exposure to the pros. It's it's uh, about getting your game right and trying to advance to the next level. And I, I like how you uh, emphasize mental there because uh, some of the things the uh, the league does, and this is my opinion and my opinion only. You have to be mental to uh, to uh, implement those things. Look at the playoffs last year. Yep. Yeah, that's a prime example. Prime example. So yeah, you mentioned the uh, the uh, the pros- the All American Chipotle game. Uh, we can dive into that a little bit later. I miss the days of the uh, the old All Star game and the top prospects game, but we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later. Let's finish our recap of the uh, the game on Saturday night. Uh, I think the big key uh, point of the game was. Going into overtime, where Ethan Weber, I think it was Webb's, took yeah. a five minute major, and that was a soft call in my opinion. Well, me too. Uh, I, Especially at that point in the game, I was I can tell you what was it less than two minutes left to go, and I used my resources, went back and looked at it from my angle, and it certainly it sounded bad in the arena, but it certainly from from my side of the ice, the penalty box side of the ice, it did not look bad. However, I was talking to somebody who was on the bench after the game, and they were they were like, "Oh my God, we thought he killed him." So I don't know that you would have gotten a lot of argument from Rocky, Art, Z, and Corey as far as it, it was unfortunate at the time. I don't know if the USHL just hasn't updated its its uh, suspensions and transaction page today because he didn't get suspended for it. So I don't know if they went back and looked at it. All, Usually, a game misconduct automatically comes with the one game suspension and a. What was it? Was it scored or scored as a game misconduct? Well, so he got a misconduct. He okay. got a five minute major and a game misconduct okay. for for boarding, and so he got he got to go take an early shower and you know look at those 
By the way, Corey, nice job on the. There was I heard a lot of positive comments. On oh the, yeah, Star Wars night on the socks and the Star Wars jerseys, and uh, it was good stuff. Um, but anyway, you know, unfortunately for for Webbs, he gets to take an early shower that night and watch the rest of the game, watch the overtime, and watch Spinner with his second shootout goal. Doesn't go down as an official game winner, but that one, well, I guess it's probably. Not. I, I think it's, it. Yeah, I think it would. Cl- I don't it, know. I don't know how they it score. It doesn't. I was looking at the stats okay. earlier just to clarify that. And I suppose in that case, since we since we outshot them two nothing, or since we scored we scored our two goals and they and uh Showstack slammed the door on both of theirs. I don't know who you who you give you give it to the first one or you give it no, to the No, I think you have to give it to the second one because the second one was clinching because if Tri City second player scored a goal, you know, obviously they gotta go. So they didn't. They didn't give it. They don't officially award that to anybody. However, um, Spinner is either at or tied for the lead in shootout goals in the league on the season. Even though he's only been here for sixteen games, so keep doing that. I'd rather not go to shootout. Agreed. But I, I will say the hot take of the night was uh, if Lincoln killed off that five-minute uh, major that they were going to win the game. So you think? I mean, I did have some fans ask me calling it, Captain Obvious. I was. I did have some fans. Asked me about about that penalty as as time was expiring in regulation if they carry over to overtime and whatnot and I'm like, yeah, unfortunately it does and um, you know here's the thing when we have technology the way we have technology now why can't they do it the way the college game does call the major but have Ethan sit in the box while they come over and you can look at the hit from multiple angles you can look at it from above you can look at it from the end you can look at it from behind why not come you can zoom in on it why not take a look at it and see i mean it kind of goes into that like the same penalty that jordan petrie got thrown out of the the gold medal game for Uh, that's certainly if it's a men's hockey game well man i don't know maybe it results in the same because it was a hit along the boards and um but why not why don't you come review that yeah, I don't know. It's I mean, not, it's not in the rule, so I know why you don't do it. But why couldn't you do it? I don't know. I mean, you think with the with the technology that we have, I know the replay cameras that we have at the Xbox. I don't know if every arena has the uh, the speedio cameras installed now. I, I know. don't know that Tri City does because the last time we played out there, I tried to go look at something, um, and they didn't have one. But it seems like the vast majority of the league does, and I think that and I, and I think era, that. If it's and not all teams have the access to that technology, it's it gives other teams an unfair advantage. Maybe, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. I just hope moving forward, they can look at things like was the play offsides? Was that really a major? Was that you know? I don't want it. I don't want it to become college football where everything. I don't want to be like the NHL that. where you're challenging offsides, calling, you're taking a look at it for 15 freaking minutes, like what ha- happened in the game, one of the games the other night. So yeah, I I I, I agree with that. Maybe you get one challenge during the course of the game, and, and you get a 90 gone, second review, and that's it. Regardless of whether it's good or not, uh, yeah, there was a there was a play, a kind of a meaningless play in one of the playoff football games last night that was like. Are you calling holding or are you calling pass interference? It really doesn't matter. It's an automatic first down, um, and it took them five minutes to, to take care of it. So I agree. I don't want it to bog down the game, but there is, you would think, an opportunity for somebody to to take a quick look at it and say, nope, it was onside. And But, I, you know, here's the thing. It certainly put us at a disadvantage when they called it the other day. The, the things that continue to drive me crazy about that are, very clearly, it it's probably a penalty. I don't know if it's a rough, it's a check from behind, if it's a cross-check. It's probably not a cross-check because he doesn't extend his arms and whatever else. But earlier, I don't even remember what period it was, Petey took an absolute club to the side of the head, just right in front of, right at the red line, like right at center ice. No call at all. And we had two linesmen, two officials out there. I think so, BMO took a stick to the face up in the visor area, and I don't think there was a call on that either. I I have photos of that one. If I remember right, there was no call on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ultimately, you know, I don't know what difference it makes because we're we're clipping along at about a 10% on, on the power play. But um, still, how do you how do you let one of your the assistant captains take a very clear head contact and you don't call it. Um, so just unfortunate, the timing of that penalty, because it definitely put us at a, 
at a disadvantage, but killing it off certainly gives you the momentum. I don't know that it guarantees you the win, but it certainly gives you the momentum going into the rest of overtime because we were at a that happened with under two minutes left to go. So we were on the we were on the penalty kill for about three past- minutes. Uh, thankfully, at that same time, there was our Tri City actually took a penalty too. Right. So it was four on four for a while, which you know kind of the way it tends to work out sometimes is just out of okay well let's even it up i mentioned bemo earlier taking that high stick but he's he's been on fire of late and you know picked up goal early on in in the game on saturday night and i i know that was a sick goal too it was i was thinking oh my god i don't know how many goals he has now in in the last couple of games but i think Three-ish? Three, something like that? I don't know. The I'm other not, thing I was I'm not the stats guy here, Gene. Well, speaking of stats, the other thing that I noticed about him, do you know he's a plus nine on the season? He's one of the few people on the roster that are that are in the plus. Uh, so I, I was kind of shocked by that earlier. Not, I, not shocked in a bad way, just shocked in, you know, you got, I think Mangs is still leading with 23 points and, and uh, BMO's next with 22 or maybe one of them has 22 and the other one has 21 but one of them is positive plus nine and the other one not so much yeah rocky said early on in the year that once bemo figures out how to score in this league he's gonna be unstoppable and he's he's figuring that out i know you were talking about the all-star game and i didn't watch it i tried i followed it a little bit on twitter and you know both of our guys were d guys so it was a little harder they don't they don't ever give the glory to the d but something that stood out to me you know i i don't know why but how is it that bemo is not on the mid-season rankings sheet i think is he draft eligible i think i think this is his draft year and you know the kid constantly is out skating people to the loose puck and going on breakaways and uh, at times he makes other people look dumb out there and i just i again i will never profess to be a hockey player expert, but there's just so many things that I see from that kid that I've that I've seen from others that are on that list. It just makes me scratch my head a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Hockey's a strange, strange game, strange world when it comes to scouting players. I, you know, I could sit up in the stands with a bunch of with a bunch of scouts up there and watching the same game. They they're watching and have no clue what they're seeing. Six six foot four, really long, really fast, gates really well, has absolutely figured out. We talked about it. I bet if we went back and listened to the first two or three weeks of the podcast, we talked about how scary he was going to be if he figured out how to start beating USHL goalies. Well, guess what? He started figuring out how to beat USHL goalies. Yeah, we're, we're uh, big BMO fans on this podcast, for yeah, sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, so tell me, about, tell me about the Chipotle game. I didn't watch it. I mean, I was... Well, there's know. our recap, I guess. Yeah, no, no, I just missed the times where where it's like a true all-star game where you, you get the best players in the league. They don't have to be draft eligible. You you get the best players in the league oh, to go out there. and you mean you don't take half of the NDTP and put them on one team yeah, and the other I, half and put them on the other? And then. USA Hockey screwed this whole deal up. And I get, you know, we, we talked about it being a developmental league and, and whatnot, and you're trying to get these players exposure at the same time. But as a league, as a USHL, I think an all-star game, Going back to those days would be would be fun. It, not only it gives players a little bit of a break in the season, um, you get exposed exposed the best players in this league to a wide audience. Well, and I don't know that as I'm looking at some of the names, I don't remember seeing Max Swanson from Fargo on there. Yeah, I don't think he's Zam Plant. Uh, you know, there's just some guys that are like, "How is that guy?" Not, yeah, and it all it all matters if you're if it's your draft year or not. Every guy that played in that game, that Chipotle All American game, is a, is right. in their draft year. So you're not you're not showcasing the best talent per se in the USHL with yeah. that game. Yeah, in my opinion, given them given the the you know you would think maybe they would do it at the NHL the NHL uh, All Star game, like play it in affiliation with that or something like that. That way everybody's there and can take a look. But Anyway, I digress. One of the teams beat the other team, and I think overtime. And Colonel Mustard from from Waterloo. One of the one of the Stars players were on the winning team. One of the Stars players were on the yeah. losing team because they were on opposite teams for some freaking reason. Right. Yep. That they were. Uh, but uh, I can't remember what his first name is. But Mustard from Waterloo scored the Colonel Mustard. Colonel Mustard in the conservatory with the lead pipe uh, buried the game winner, and they came home and. Now we get ready for Sioux Falls for a couple games this weekend. Yeah, we got Sioux Falls coming up Friday, Saturday, 
princess night on Saturday night. So uh, Gene's going to have his little tiara on. At least that's going to look like one. I'll just go without right. a hat and it'll look like I have a tiara on, you know, with the, the bald spot glaring. Sorry for the people behind me. Yeah, so why don't we take a uh, a break and we'll come back with the uh, the uh, feature guest, the, the real reason why you listen to this show. That is a magnificent idea. All right, we'll be right back on Thunderstruck, your unofficial Lincoln Stars podcast. Next weekend, the Lincoln Stars welcome the Sioux Falls Stampede to the Icebox for the first time this season. Don't miss Princess Night on Saturday, January 20th at 6.05 p.m. Get four tickets and two tiaras and a Princess Night pack for $75 now at LincolnStars.com. Secure your seats for the Stars versus the Stampede next weekend. Excuse me. What can I do for you? Who are you? Joel. You didn't get a chase last night. <laughs> Something I can help you with? You know, you shouldn't drive like that. People get hurt all the time. Stupid. You smart kid? Huh? I mean, you look like a smart kid. I'm okay. Where the girls inside? I'm afraid I'm, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. So. The door's locked. He's starting to give me a stomachache. Good. I hope it hurts. So open the door or what? We don't go home. We don't need you anymore. Look, shut your mouth. No. Listen, well, maybe we don't work for you anymore. Oh, yeah? yeah? Okay, fine. Right. Then who you work for, huh? Who? You don't work for me. Who? You don't work for me. Maybe we work for Joel now. There you go. Welcome back for the second time this year for the mid-season review, the voice of your Lincoln stars, Joel Norman. Joel, we all work for you, right? I wish that was the case. I'd probably get a lot more done. <laughs> you know that You know that movie? I do not, actually. I was trying to figure it out as it went along. Ah, uh, well, that was, uh, we actually had another clip up first, but we figured that maybe that wouldn't be a little too racy. That is our boy, um... From Top Gun, Maverick. Cole Trickle. It's Cole Trickle. Oh, it's Cole Trickle. <laughs> um, it is. And see now, I, he what was his name? Georgievich from All the Right Moves. It's Tom Cruise in Risky Business. Okay, I've never seen Risky Business, oh so that's, that's why I had no clue. Hey, so, hey, I'm the only I, haven't, I haven't seen it all the way through either, so we're, we're outranking Gene right now. So I'm the only, I'm the only <laughs> incredibly old guy in here, but you both of you need to go watch Risky Business because it is, it is an absolute classic, and um, you know, I just thought about that when you said earlier today that, we, that you would be willing to come back on, that I needed to go find some Joel clips from Risky, from risky Business. Perfect. For, for all of the fellow old people out there, the first one I thought of involved Joel and babysitters, but that one was probably not uh, not very appropriate to have on as your introduction. I just don't think Joel's girlfriend would, would appreciate it. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> appreciate it so much. <laughs> that is probably true as well. So, Mr. Norman, how are you? Doing well. You know, it's been a it's been a really fun last few weeks, of course, watching this team play. And, you know, we're looking forward to this weekend to see what they can do against Sioux Falls, because I'm sure you guys did the same thing as me. You saw it on the schedule and you saw where both teams are in the standings right now. And you see that technically season ends today. This is a playoff matchup. Well, not to mention the fact that I not looking quite that far ahead, but but I have been playing that math game in my head. Uh, B.A., we do inch closer every time we get a win to that magic number that we established back uh, a couple weeks ago that that we needed to accomplish here. Accomplish here, but all of a sudden, because of snowmageddon in, in Nebraska last week, Sioux Falls has, what, three games in hand? No, no, they have like five games in hand, right? They've played 35, and we've played 30, and we're, uh, we're, we're all of a sudden right in the thick of everybody except for Fargo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's. it's going to be interesting to see how we make up these games. I, I mean, I know nothing in terms of the planning, and a lot of it is going to be obviously what Omaha and Tri-City plan on themselves. So making those games up and trying to get them in stretches where you're not already playing a ton of hockey is going to be, I think, extremely crucial because, as you guys know, January and February is really a grind in this league. 
Yeah, and you just made March a grind too. BA and I already talked about this a little bit that I was I went through it a little bit over the weekend and was looking at our schedule moving forward and thinking, oh sweet, there's a one game weekend somehow and oh uh, but Tri Cities in Fargo and and Omaha's out of town as well. So they're not gonna come back and play. Oh, they're already playing a three and three. So I'm glad that I'm glad that none of us on here have to figure out the logistics of when those games are gonna be played. I would say if Omaha's playing the hockey the way they were at the beginning of the year, they just might as well not play it and just uh, just forfeit the game hey, and give us a win. I saw a post <laughs> I saw a post from them today talking about how they have tickets that are going for about a hundred bucks a game. Who in your right mind is buying an Omaha Lancer <laughs> tickets for a hundred dollars? I don't know. But uh, apparently somebody's uh, throwing lines in the water trying to sucker somebody into spending money that isn't real. If that's the case, I have a whole stack of Omaha Lancer tickets I'll sell you. There you go. Yeah, I can probably come up with some as well. I need a new IP, I need a new IP address, though. <laughs> Use your works IP address. There you go, Gene. Yeah, that would be a no. Um, okay, Joel. So we kind of we kind of did as much show prep as we ever did ever do on this show. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about by since, prep, we mean none. Exactly right. Except for a group <laughs> saying, "Hey, what do you think we talk about this tonight?" So, uh, one of the things I think we're going to do is go through six or so categories and just kind of uh, do a report card for the first half. But before we get going, what is your take? What is your take on the first half of the season? I think I give it, you know, right now a B minus. I say B minus because of how it ended, being that it's, you know, we're in a playoff spot those first 31 games we're sitting in that sixth seed in the west but obviously things didn't begin the way it wanted that 11 games losing streak was you know that that was kind of one of those gut check moments of saying what kind of team is this going to be how are we going to respond what kind of season are we going to have but really since thanksgiving it's been a, a completely different hockey team and that month of december could not have been more of a polar opposite than the team that we saw in November. So I say the B because of that, partly with, I think that what this team can still achieve is it's a little bit of what they've done so far, but a little bit of what they've kind of set themselves up to do. And this is a team. I think it's, it's nice to be in the playoff picture, but all of a sudden, if things can go right, you can keep finding ways to defeat tri city. You're probably going to keep climbing the standings. And I know that's a huge goal of theirs here for the second half of the season. Yeah. You, br- you bring up the, uh, the, the low point of the season, the 11 game skid. I honestly forgot about it. it. It seems like you mentioned the, the Thanksgiving time where things kind of turned around, and it's it's been all all uphill. And I I, I forgot about the the lackluster beginning of the season. I know it wasn't great, but you mentioned that eleven game skate. I I totally forgot about it. I know Rocky hasn't forgotten about it. I know the boys in the locker room haven't forgotten about it, and that's got to be motivation going in the back half of the season. No doubt about that. I I mean it was it was a tough stretch. You know, it was the one things where, you know, we'd show up and you see a game and it's like, how are we going to find a way to try and get this win tonight? And it just, it didn't happen. And obviously everyone remembers that the, the game that I before Thanksgiving was truly the turning point, even though it was a loss, it was a game. We saw a lot more compete level improve out of the stars. And obviously just a lot of stuff started clicking has been a theme for success since then. And I think the first thing you would say would be Keaton Peters scoring, you know, him scoring his first goal of the season that night, He's obviously gone on to score 10 more since then, and he's been a huge part of this turnaround, not just then, but the month of December, you know, only three losses in December as well. So it's just, it's been fun to see how a team, you you see a lot of teams, they can go through some tough stretches and maybe, okay, maybe that's just who we are. Maybe we're not meant to contend this year. Maybe uh, it's not going to happen, but I give a tip of the cap to the coaching staff, head coach Ronky Russo, Mike Zanella, Art Bry, as well as general manager Nick Fabrizio for sticking with this product and adding the pieces that they needed. Because, I mean, you can pretty much point to right about that time. I mentioned Peter scoring and when they acquired Ryan Spinelli as the turning point in the season. Joel, you literally just took about every single word right out of my mouth because I was going to say <laughs> that when you look at that game literally on Thanksgiving Eve, it was a loss. It was part of the 11-game skid, but to me, that's going to be a watershed moment on the season. And one of the grades that I was thinking about today, and I'm just going to jump right in, I think that, and I'll, I'll leave it up to you to argue your points against what I'm about to say, and when we go through the rest of the categories, I am going to absolutely give the leadership an A for the job that they've done, because that 11-game, I mean, if you go look at the, at the streaks in the USHL stats, 
Omaha's not only had an 11 game losing streak, but they've also had a seven game losing streak and a couple of others. And as you pointed out, Rocky and Z and Art and Corey, for that matter, and Nick Fabrizio bringing in Spinale, bringing in Mexico for an extended pay, <laughs> extended, extended stay. Um, just some, bringing Griffin Brown up. I mean, he's been a contributor and hasn't showed himself to be a 16 year old when he's gotten in, when he's been in the, in the lineup, he had that, you know, kind of an emergency call up the other day. I don't know how emergency was because we knew that, that Hendricks and Cleves weren't going to get to play. So maybe he already knew going into Saturday, he was going to be back in the lineup, but just up and down. And then that isn't, you'll lose Jimmy, but Kai steps in and Mangs and Petey wearing the A's and just, you see leadership up and down. Copeland has really picked up his game over the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 games. Um, Justin Varner has been playing much better than, than what he was earlier. So just overall, the, just the, the leadership to me has been an A across the board. One of the favorite expressions of the coaching staff is guys who lead without a letter. And I think we're seeing a lot of those guys also step up, not to take anything away from the three men wearing those letters currently, because they've done a phenomenal job. And like we talked about, you know, you're, you're Peters and Mang, and they put it into, you know, points, their goals and their assists. That's how they show their leadership in addition to the other elements that maybe we don't even know about. I mean, they, they put that, they've really helped in that regard. Jan Varia, I, I mean, he's a guy who I think if you're a Stars fan, you've got to love the energy he brings because he's a guy who's going to, He's going to wear his emotion on his sleeve. He doesn't matter if he's in a you know a battle with someone who's seven feet tall. He's going to push and shove if he thinks that guy was doing something that was dis- disadvantageous to the stars. So uh, I-, I think there's a lot to love. And I'm with you. I'd give the, the leadership an A as well. And, and not just because of those three, but like I said, the other guys. Maybe there are players in there who maybe thought they could get a letter on this team, but it hasn't worked out. But that hasn't stopped the impact that they've had from just being a good teammate and being really good on the ice as well. All right, B.A., so Joel has uh, given out a season grade. I've given out a season grade so far. Pick a category and throw something out for conversation. You're putting me on the spot here, bud. <laughs> uh, let's just dive into the offense. I know the offensive uh, beginning of the year, we were we were questioning where goals were going to come from. Um, if you if you look at, like, you know, the first the first half of the first half of the season, I'd give it a D. But now, now – you know that turning point in the Thanksgiving game, that that grade's definitely moving up in the right direction. I a B minus a, a C plus is what I'm giving it right now. We're finding ways to score goals when we need to score goals, and that's only going to lead to more goals. Yeah, I don't know that I can argue. I was thinking probably C range for very much the same reasons. Uh, I was looking at, again at the stats. I know big shock. Uh, we have figured out, I, I really wish that I could have gone back to some some of the daily reports from a couple months ago to see how those stats have morphed over time. We are still getting outshot and outscored yeah. in the first period and the third period uh, pretty dramatically at times. But I don't know, I, like I said, I wonder how much those statistics have recovered over the last month and a half of the season because um, we all of a sudden – are seven and two when we score first and we have been scoring first. And just the other night, uh, Joel, something that BA and I were talking about earlier was, I don't know that, that last Saturday night was the best game we've played all year, but unlike earlier in the year, and despite the perhaps not a great showing, we still came out of there with a win. And that's been, that has been something, the growth of people like, BMO talking offensively. Uh, Ethan Weber is another kid. You know, those are two young kids who've dr- who've grown up right before our eyes. And I should have attributed that during the leadership section was just the older guys that are bringing these younger guys along and we're maturing into. We don't look like a bunch of young kids anymore, even though we still have some young kid moments. To beat Tri City in that type of game felt like that type of playoff victory that you get. So I completely agree with you. Obviously, you don't get the shootout in the postseason, but the way the stars just kind of gutted through that one. Did they have their best in the most of the second and third periods? Absolutely not. But it's easy to look at that one. I think from afar, I think the storyline, if you're a, you know, a USHL reporter or general fan, you say, Oh, well, tri city didn't have Trevor Connolly. So it's, it's easy to say they're probably not going to win that one. Well, Adam Kleber wasn't playing in that game. You could argue he's, you know, top three, if not one or two defensemen for, for the stars, Tanner Hendricks taking incredible steps that, 
it's hard to put on paper what he's been able to do recently, but those are two very key defensemen the Stars were without in that game. So for me, both teams were kind of at a level playing field without some really key contributors, and not to diminish Philippe Blaise Savoy at all either for Tri-City. So to me, that type of win was the game, kind of like what you're alluding to there, Gene, that I think maybe in mid-November probably ends up being a loss, if not in regulation, probably in an overtime. All right, so back to you, Joel. Your time to your time to pick a category. How about the two special teams? I don't know if we want to clump it together or not, but I'd love to hear what you guys have to say for the special teams. Well, I don't know that I want to clump it together because they're um, they're complete one eighties in my opinion. I I think that early in early in the year I probably give. Well, first <laughs> off, I'll just be clear. I don't think you can score 11.3% of the time on the power play and get anything but an F. Um, I, I, yeah. did, I did see some, I mean, some yeah. growth late in the game against Tri-City the other night. With, who was it? Tyler Wood that was over on the right dot, hitting three or four rockets in a row from over there. The passing seems to be more on point, or at least it was in that game. But we just struggle and continue to be on the struggle bus when it comes to the power play. You it's met- been... So, Sorry, go ahead, DA. Well, Gene mentioned 11.3%. If that was a passing grade, my grades in high school would have been a lot better than what they were, bud. Regent Scholar? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead, Joel. I was going to say, it's that type of thing where there we see the moments because we've seen all the games this year, and you see these stretches where, wow, okay, they're getting really close. But there are certain nights that you can't ignore. And I think, for me, the one I look back at is the game against Waterloo back in October where they, they were – they couldn't get anything going on the power play that night. And every time that Waterloo was on the power play, they scored. So it's just, it's one of those things where that hasn't defined the season by any means. I mean, that was October 27th, 0 for nine on the power play that night. And Waterloo went four for four on the power on their power play. But since then, you know, we've had the ups and downs. I, I, I think there's a lot to like with the units on the power play. They just haven't clicked because I think the chemistry is there, but they're kind of missing that trigger man. And Gene, you kind of mentioned it, you know, Nick Young looks really good in overtime. That was a new look from that far side, really letting loose a few times with one timers. Yeah. A couple of them darn near got on net. I think he had a couple off the side of the cage. So it, it, it's going to be one of those things. You've got to kind of keep finding new ways to test new schemes, new players, maybe even into certain roles and hope to really start to turn our corner with it here soon. Well, and then you take, you take Klebs out the other night from the other from the opposite dot from where Nick was, uh, and he's missed several games this year because of being out for uh, the World Junior A's and for the other night for being in the in the Chipotle game. And so, yeah, I, I have seen I have seen signs. So here, I literally told somebody the other night in the box that I think by the end of the season, it all comes out in the wash. Right? I mean. Mm-hmm. It, it all comes out in the wash. And so my hope is for this team is that by the time we hit the end of March, mid-April, something like that, we are at 18 20% on the power play. Because you know what that means? That means we've, we're about 30% on the back half of the season. And so mm-hmm. that does nothing but indicate really good things to come. Um, as far as the PK... I'm I'm gonna go C ish range here, and part part of that is because again, statistically, the first part of the season we weren't. You just mentioned that October game where we where we allowed four out of four. Um, however, th- that we killed off that major with Ethan Weber the other night. Um, we, we we've we killed have, off some huge penalties lately. We have absolutely. We're doing the little things. We're standing in front of pucks. We're we're um, you can't ignore. And I want to. I'm going to talk. I'm going to actually bring up a category regarding goaltending here after maybe right after this category. But uh, you know that's one of the things that that I think that we have continued to get better. So I think we're a C. And we're going to call it uh, the mid the midterm grade because I think it's heading in the direction that it needs to. I think I agree with that too because you know it's hard not to when you're special when you're seventh out of sixteen teams. It's very middle of the road, so I think C is very appropriate there. One of the good thing, one of the really good talking points I had recently when I think it was one of the pregame interviews I had with Ronky Russo was saying that, you know, one of the best ways we can be better on the penalty kill is taking less penalties. And, you know, you look at the stars last two games, 
their opponents have only had two power plays in each game. Uh, a couple Saturdays ago against Waterloo, and then last Saturday against Tri City. And you know, you you can limit them to about your opponents to four or less. You're probably going to be in a really good spot, but can't have these nights where you know your opponent's getting seven power plays. And obviously, that's going to change game to game. It's it's going to depend on how that night's going, but. I thought that was a really good point that he brought up a few weeks ago. It's more about, you know, not putting ourselves in that position to even begin with so we can almost avoid even having that conversation at all. Now, Joel, we joke with you quite often during the uh, the broadcasts of the game about the announcer's curse. Um, I was sitting uh, <laughs> sitting next to a, a gentleman at the Stars game on Saturday night, and he mentioned, hey, I don't think the Stars took a penalty all game. And two seconds after he said that, we take a penalty. <laughs> I want to know, because it's the announcer's curse, were you mentioning on the broadcast – that we haven't taken a penalty all game? I do not at that point. Um, to me, it's one of those things where I don't I don't quite do it that way now, where I, I typically will say something like, you know, of the power plays in the game so far, you know, Lincoln's had the only one or something like that. But I had I, I think I learned my lesson. This would have been, I think, early November of last season when we were playing Sioux City and and Sioux City was going on to the man advantage. I think they were I think it was either their first one of the night or they were 0 for one or 0 for two. And uh, as they're getting ready to take the face off, I'm going through, boy, Sioux City is last in the league in power play goals, last in power play percentage, haven't scored since, you know, first or second weekend of the season. They win the draw and they score. And Gene's <laughs> texting the entire time, wasn't he? <laughs> Probably. So I, I feel like I've tried to learn my lesson since that moment. I was running around, knocking on wood, throwing salt over my over my shoulder, <laughs> running under ladders, like jumping over black cats, you know, all that kind of hey, stuff. Hey, we discussed this, Gene. To... None of that stuff works when yeah, it, at the, end, the <laughs> long run. It doesn't work. Hey, Joel, as a, as a baseball broadcaster during the warmer months, have <laughs> you had an opportunity to call a near no-no or perfect game <laughs> and um, if yes how much did you talk about it as as it was becoming more of a reality the, the closest no hitter i've ever had at least in the summer baseball season probably one that went into the sixth inning so not really that deep all things considered i did have one when i was in college and this was just being you know our student-run radio station but you know it was division one west virginia baseball and i remember a guy who's now with the los angeles dodgers he was taking uh, Michael Grove was the name. He was taking a no hitter into the eighth inning. I remember he went seven and two thirds innings before giving one up. And I have always operated under the belief that it's it's not necessarily cursing anything if you are saying that you know a team doesn't have any hits because you have to inform your audience, especially if it's audio only, like a radio broadcast. You have to inform them of how the game's going. You have to let them know that hey, this is what's on the line. So. If it is cursing, you know, I say, well, too bad because I, I feel I have to do. I'm not doing my job unless I say that the team is hitless to that point in the game. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to agree with you as a former pitcher. I don't think that uh, the people the people in the stand saying, "Hey, he's got a no no," and it's it's coming into the eighth or the broadcaster. Yeah. I hear it at hockey when when somebody's pitching a shutout. You know, someone mentions that they turn around. And, you can't say that. But I mean, I get okay, yeah, it's scoreless. But if you're saying Jan shows Jan Shostak is has a shutout, you know, with four minutes left in the game, that might be cursing the guy. That could be. That could be. Kind I heard of like, something from uh, last year from Cameron Whitehead's mom in person. She said that you know, don't mention that shutout at all. I think at one time I was saying he's three minutes away from I think his second shutout of the season, and she didn't like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Speaking of Whitey, I got to watch him uh, Vermont and Sambuco played mm-hmm. Whitey uh, at Northeastern this weekend. I don't know how he. I don't know if Whitey played on Saturday, but he was he was in that on Friday night. And I reminded Books that last year, remember from the top of the dot, high shoulder side, glove side is uh, is a weak spot. <laughs> and, um, so I, he he did not have scouting reports from Gene Cotter. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Ho- hockey <laughs> aficionado Gene Cotter. All right, so let's talk about goaltending. Um, I am going to take the cop out answer here, and I'm going to call it incomplete. Uh, and the reason I say that is is that first off, Jan in particular has had way, way, way more really good games than he has had bad games. Um, I think Massey's finally, hopefully, starting to turn it around. He, I know he, I think he got a win in his last in his last time out. I'm assuming he would have played at least one of the three games this weekend. Um, but I think that Jan, you know, would go a couple on and then have an off game, and a couple on and he'd have an off game. And 
God, see now, now you got me all in my head on this whole jinxing thing. And I want to say that <laughs> he's actually strung multiple games together. He's still in the top three or five guys in the league with goals allowed and with save percentage. And so I'm going to say that it's uh, it remains a work in progress just because of, you know, Mass and uh, the improvement he's had and, and show stat getting a little more consistent. I can say if you ask any Tri-City fan, Jan definitely leads the league in one stat. And that's kicking the net off. I, I I got so many texts on on Saturday night about your goalie kicks the net off so much. I go, it happened twice. Yeah. <laughs> I go two times. And I go, if it was really a problem, the rest would probably have an issue with it. And they don't seem to have a problem with it. So uh Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so is everybody can just let my uh, incomplete I, I, I kinda I tend to agree with you. I mean we have I mean Jan's kinda stepped up to be the clear start of the uh, out of the two. But uh, you, you mentioned that kind of what you mentioned earlier was that you'll string a couple of good games together, have a bad game, and Massey's Massey's. I think Massey's turning the table a little bit and figuring it out. Um, I I don't pretend to know one lick about goaltending uh, goaltending other see the puck, stop the puck, and sometimes watching these guys uh, it's hard to see that puck. I think I'm going to give it a B just to put an actual grade on. It. I think it's undeniable the season John Shostak's had to this point. Fourth best goals against average, third best save percentage. But before this weekend against Sioux Falls, he, he like you said, guys, he, he's clearly the number one. And this was a very open competition heading into. When we look back at training camp. I mean, you head into the preseason schedule, and you got four guys on your roster. And I think there was a case for any one of them that they could have done it. And credit to Massey and Shostak for making the team first off, and then. Jan's, he's just kind of run with the opportunity. I, I like to keep using the stat that he's allowed three goals or less in 14 of his 21 games. So to me, he's given the Stars a chance to win two-thirds of the time that he's taken the net. And even some of those third of the games that he's given up more than those three goals, you can say maybe the defense has kind of fallen apart in front of him too. So, And I think that's something you talk about, the incomplete factor of the grade, Gene. It's hard not to think of that in a way because of Massey because I, I think some of the stars I think they would admit it some of their toughest worst performances this season have unfortunately come with when he has been between the pipes and I don't think they're going to say wow you know he was the reason why we lost because he's had a lot of games where he just has not been bailed out by his defense or it and that's that's what happens sometimes is sometimes there's just going to be some rough nights in front of you and I think he's far he's a far better goaltender than the 2-8-0-1 record suggests so in that sense I agree with the thought that this is a an incomplete grading because we saw what he did last year and we know what he's very capable of as well yeah and you talk you know you as i was going through the the daily report earlier today you know lincoln has the record for fewest shots on goal in a game this year with 10 they also have the record for most shots on goal in a game at 52 uh guess what that was the exact same game. They gave up 52 and 10, and I know there was some some conversation around whether or not or how valid those were. Um, completely unrelated yet pseudo-related is that came against Fargo, and if you go look at the top shots in, like, the top five shots against games of the season, every single one of them are Fargo. 57, 54, <laughs> 52. I mean, that, that the, team Fargo right now, leads, I, I saw an gra- infographic from the USHL uh, just two or three days ago about uh, shots for, and Fargo by far leads the league. They're like plus, plus 500 or something like that. Yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're, I mean, they're a machine. They absolutely are a machine. What well, the good news for us is, and I realize that, that once again, we talked about they didn't have a full complement of their guys, but we didn't either. And right now we're what one, one and two or one one and one against them. I don't remember on that Friday night that we one and we two. Got, yeah, okay. I couldn't remember if we went to overtime or shootout against them on Friday night, but I know we beat them on Saturday. So, um, okay. So we've gone offense, we've gone special teams, we've gone goaltending, we've gone leadership. Uh, who wants to kick it off? Talking about defensively. Uh, defensively, I, I think we hear time and time again. You mentioned the the shots against or for. I don't know how you would categorize that graphic, but uh, Rocky says a lot of times we can't win games when we give up thirty plus, forty plus shots. And I'm leaning towards a D right now because we seems to we seem to have a lot of games where I'm hearing Rocky say that over and over again. Joel, I think talking? I give him a. Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. No, I was just going to ask you what your thoughts were there. 
I was going to say, I think I give him a C plus because I know, I know where you're going there for sure. BA and that we've had a few of those games, certainly where it's, it's been the case. We mentioned that Fargo game. It's not to make an excuse, but three games, three days, same opponent beat them the night before you knew they were going to come back hungry. And we've talked at length about the age of this, this team in general. So that, that was going to be something where that was a tough challenge and it didn't work out. But then we saw they responded the next time they had three games in three days and they won all three games. So I, I'm giving it a C plus. I, I brought this up a couple of weeks, weeks ago. I think it was the Saturday game against Waterloo that when I was talking to Rocky afterwards, I said that I think there's a lot of guys right now who are doing stuff that's not showing up on the score sheet. I, I, I said it before about, you know, Adam Cleavers, you know, right there, top three defensemen on this team. I'd make an argument Martin Masha might be the best defenseman the way he's been playing the last month. Ever since the calendar flipped to December, he's doing a lot of little stuff. You know, we're seeing... We're seeing Kai Jan Varia jump up on the plays a lot of the way that we saw Antonio Fernandez do that last year. And the only way that works and you're able to pinch up like that is if you have a partner you trust, in their case, on the left side. And that's what Masha has been this season. That guy you can kind of trust on. He can do stuff offensively. And, you know, you can take plus minus for whatever it is. But, you know, he's right up there, I think, second on the team right now in plus minus. So I've been really impressed with him. I mentioned Henricks and the steps he's taken. It's one of those things where, again, we don't have the stats to back that up necessarily, but Jacob Rombach is playing with a confidence we didn't see in October and a lot of November, really, either. He's making little plays. He's using that six foot five frame. And, he, you know, he's looking like a guy who belongs in this league and is obviously going to be heading off to Minnesota and not too long. So I'm, I'm going with a C plus for that reason because of the turnaround and where I'm expecting things to continue to grow from here. Joel, you mentioned Masha there a little bit. Uh, well, I've talked about this before on the podcast. My perspective of the game is completely different than than yours and Gene's. I mean, by far, you have the best view of the game. Gene's over there, you know, keeping track of shots and on all of his off-ice duties. But I'm looking at the uh, the game through a camera lens. And ever since the, the Omaha game when Masha had his tilt, tilt up there, if you want to call it a fight, but uh, he's definitely been one of the guys that I've noticed a lot more lately. Um with and without the puck. No yeah. doubt about that. Yeah, I you know, I I was going to I'm going to probably put him in the C range as well, but once again that is a that is a component of the game that in my opinion is trending the right direction. Um to me it it becomes one of those things where I can I can kind of look at the team early and make some predictions on how I think the game's going to go just based on energy, based on block shots, based on whatever and I know that's, you know, that's real rocket science that's like uh that's kind of like somebody making a prediction that the killing off the weber penalty the other day was was a really momentum grabber for the <laughs> for the team right that i mean like yeah really you think um but just those are the things that when when we got guys selling out and getting in front of the puck um that are those are big indicators for me i think that we've really had an uptick in the physicality uh, we've had we've gotten way more sandpaper to our game lately. We're blocking more shots, so we are trending in the right direction defensively as well. We probably feel like we've been talking for like an hour and a half now. I don't know what we're at really time wise, but uh, you know, just just in in an effort to uh, keep the time down, I kind of wish that I would have saved the leadership for last because I everything that we've talked about has hey, start just talked, off strong. That's how we do it. We set the tone. There we go. There we go. It's about our process, and our process was to, to set the tone early. Um, I, I just go back and say that the job that Nick has done bringing the right people in, the job that Rocky and the rest of the coaching staff, including the, the on-team leadership, letter or not, to bring this team together has just been impressive. Um, I don't remember, Joel, if you were part of this conversation or not, but I went back and looked at a bunch of old, uh, like all the, the last seasons that are on the, the current USHL app, and if we can get into the 25 to 28 win range, there has not been a team that has had 25 wins or 28 wins ever that hasn't made the playoffs. And we're now in a playoff position. We're trending in the right direction. Uh, and so, you know, I think overall I'm going to give us probably that C plus B minus grade just because, again, um, if we if we were on academic probation at the end of the – 11 game losing streak. I think we've worked our way off of that now and, and we're headed in the right direction. 
I like that stat. I'm probably going to, st- I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to steal that from my game notes at some point, but <laughs> no, I, I think you're exactly right, Gene. It's, it's so interesting looking at how this first half of the season had so many ups and downs, you know, spanned into a couple of months really. But, and that's where it makes you in a lot of ways you could look ahead and say, okay, well, that suggests that we're not really sure what's going to happen in the second half. But I think, you know, the way all three of us are talking, we're saying that, you know, it's kind of more the case of what has happened recently gives us a lot of reason to feel good about where this team is going to go January, February, March, and then into mid-April. Well, we haven't even talked about the fact that that Jimmy Jersev has been injured and he's been out and mm-hmm. Matthew Malte has either been hurt or unfortunately suspended and uh, Varner's missed. I, you know, we, I could just go up and down the lineup mm-hmm. of all the things that this team has had to come over from, from guys going to play temporarily someplace else or new guys coming in or injuries or suspensions or you name it. And, and the fact that we're having this conversation now uh, based on the way the season started is just, you know, just a credit to, the fortitude of this team. No doubt about that. I, I mean, you look at what the, the lineup was. I remember I took a long look at the line chart the night before the final game before Christmas break at Tri-City. And we would, and we end up losing that night 6-1. But I remember just thinking, like, it's unbelievable how many injuries that team had at that point. You had Jimmy, you had Malte, you had Dasha Oliver, you had Garamon Yavash. You had guys who, had, who were gone for you know the World Junior A Challenge, where Kleber and Furkovich were both gone. It was just every little thing you could think of. You know, we were missing guys. We had affiliate making his debut that weekend. A couple other younger guys, guys from North Iowa, and it's thinking like, boy, oh boy, if you, if you can just get this team back to full health, we'll see what they're capable of. And and that's why, like you know, it was so cool seeing them in action right after Christmas, taking all three games because all of a sudden you look at it and you go, wait a sec. All you're missing now is pretty much Jimmy. You add him into the mix, and how much better does that make everything? So I, I have a lot of reason. And again, we're hoping he can come back. We don't really know. We know it's you know, long-term IR right now. He's been out since mid-November. But, boy, what a difference he would make added in there as well. And it's one of those things where there's so many guys playing well right now, but I think a little extra healthy competition in the lineup isn't a bad thing. Joel, you mentioned the, uh, the, the, the 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 depleted lineup we had there on that uh, the game at right right before Christmas break. Um, I heard Nick was uh, on the phone and he was going to give uh, Terry Terry Ryan a call, and he realized pulling a forty seven year old uh, ex pro was not going to fly with the USA, USHL vets. <laughs> No, that would have been a little problematic for sure. But, uh, you know, it was at that point, though, where you got to find enough bodies to play and you're down a couple of skaters. But again, it just continues to add to that theme we've talked about, the resilience of this team here this season and the way they've been able to bounce back when things haven't been going their way. I don't know if Gene caught my caught the the reason for the Terry Ryan uh, reference. Did not. Uh, so Newf- Newfoundland, Newfoundland, Newfoundland Growlers were short guys and – I guess uh, Hockey Canada has a rule that if you're a junior player or a senior league player, if you go play a pro game after January 10th, you can't go back to your junior league or your your senior league. So they needed to find a guy. So they call up local guy Terry Ryan, 47-year-old ex-pro, hasn't played a hockey game in, or a, a professional hockey game in 20-some years to go uh, go uh, suit up with the with the team and uh, ended up having a fight in that game. Really? Yeah. Is that so that he could uh, go sit down and catch his breath for a while? No, it was actually towards the end of the game, but okay, a great story. If if you're if you're a spit and chickless fan, uh, you'll you'll hear all about it on this week's episode. Gotcha. It's kind of like uh, the who was it that was it the the Leafs last year that had to use their Zamboni driver as the as the e bug for the Hurricanes two years ago, and they yeah. lost it. Lost the David Ayers, right? Yeah. A couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yep, for sure. Yep, yep. All right. Well, Joel Norman, the right now you should be uh, down at ninety three seven. The ticket uh, recording outside. Not recording, but broadcasting live outside the box. <laughs> but they decided to do some high school basketball tonight, so their loss is. So we our we game. poached them. That's what we did. There we go. <laughs> we pulled you away. I, available to the highest bidder as always <laughs> awesome 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 well thank you so much for joining us tonight uh look forward to seeing you at the box for back to back with stampede this weekend thank you guys always a pleasure well that's probably about enough for the night huh i yeah i think so well, like you know we mentioned uh that we have the back-to-back games against the stampede this uh this weekend friday night saturday night saturday night is princess night uh come out uh with your with your little girls uh that sounded that sounds so wrong. Come out, fathers, bring your daughters out, enjoy a game with you with your princesses. Or your sons, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean it is twenty twenty four, so if uh bring if your kids out to Prince's Night and 
uh, watch a little hockey. Yeah, we'll see. Elsa, we'll see on out there. I don't know what other Disney princesses will be out, out, out roaming the hallways of the concourse out there at the Ice Boss, but we hope to see everybody out there this weekend as we take on the Sioux Falls Stampede. I know you're about to hit the button, but you know what? I think that we're supposed to have a return to the deep freeze, so come on out to the Ice Box and warm up this weekend. Actually, I think it's supposed to be warm. On Sunday, not okay. on Friday and Saturday. So. I don't know. All right. Uh, anything above... Minus 14 degrees is going to be warm in my book. So we'll see everybody at the icebox this weekend.